According to a 2020 study by Kajabi, 84% of entrepreneurs and business owners experience imposter syndrome. It seems as if there are lots of successful people out there feeling undeserving of it and suffering in silence. The best way to combat the darkness is to bring it into the light. So today we are digging into imposter syndrome. What is it? Who's at risk? What's at risk? And three things you can do about it so that imposter syndrome doesn't wreck your productivity or influence your marketing decisions. You game? Great. Let's make it happen. Hey, you, you're listening to the Messy Desk Podcast, the show for busy solopreneurs who want to improve their marketing productivity. Join us every Wednesday as we share actionable productivity and marketing tips to help you overcome those inevitable messy moments. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Hey, you, welcome to episode 83 of the Messy Desk Podcast. I'm Teresa Safali, your productivity coach. And I'm Megan Monahan, your content marketing coach. Imposter syndrome is defined as the feeling of self-doubt and personal incompetence that persist despite your education, experience, and accomplishments. In the simplest of terms, imposter syndrome is feeling like a fraud. To be clear, we're not talking about being an actual fraud. We are talking about a false belief that you don't deserve the success you have or an irrational fear that people will find out that you don't have certain knowledge or abilities despite evidence to the contrary. The term, which was originally called imposter phenomenon, was originated by psychologists Suzanne Imes and Pauline Rose Clance in the 70s. Originally, it was thought to plague high-achieving women, but we now know that's no longer the case. As we mentioned in the introduction, 84% of entrepreneurs and business owners experience imposter syndrome, but that's not the only staggering statistic found by that Kajabi study. It also found that a good portion of business owners feel that their success is due to luck and that small business owners tend to compare themselves to and feel less intelligent than those around them. It found that over 20% of entrepreneurs are often worried about being found out for lack of knowledge or ability. It also found that most entrepreneurs and small business owners tend to discount the importance of their work. And it also found out that men are over 30% more likely to experience imposter syndrome than women. And that one to me is kind of shocking. (laughs) Right? Absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe that either. Um, I would have thought it was the other way around. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think probably at one point it was, but I, I just think like current, cir- current circumstances have really changed that. I guess so. Yeah. Really surprised. <laughs> well, I guess that just demonstrates that everyone is fair game when it comes to imposterism. It matters not how long you've been in business, if you have a business, how much success you've had how many failures you've experienced, your gender, your race, or your religion. Imposter syndrome can happen to anyone. So if you've struggled with it, just know that you're not alone. We are right there with you. In a bit, I'll share a recent story of my own imposter syndrome struggle and what I did about it. But first, let's talk about the risks that can manifest by not identifying imposter syndrome and dealing with it. Good idea. First, to fully understand the risks of imposterism, let's identify the symptoms. 
Some of the common signs of imposter syndrome include self-doubt, an inability to realistically assess your competence and skills, attributing your success to external factors, berating your performance, fear that you won't live up to expectations, overachieving, sabotaging your success, and setting very challenging goals and feeling disappointed when you fall short. With a list like that, it's not surprising there are many consequences of feeling this way. Left unchecked, imposterism can reinforce limiting beliefs. So for example, if you believe you won't live up to expectations, simply you won't. It will make you work harder instead of smarter. For example, hustling to do more, even if it's not important work, just to quiet your own self-doubt. It can cause you to miss out on really good opportunities. So that fearfulness of being found out will have you say no instead of saying yes when you should be. It will permit you to feel unworthy of your successes. So you don't celebrate closing that new client because you believe that you won them just out of luck. It diminishes your productivity. So you waste time and energy on things that don't matter, trying to prove something to yourself or even others, and also can cause you to procrastinate. And it causes unmanageable anxiety. So you allow feelings to overwhelm you that cause needless apprehension and foreboding. Wow, those are some serious consequences, dang. <laughs> they can most certainly creep in and mess with your marketing as well as your productivity. But here's the good news. The awareness of imposter syndrome and how it manifests itself in your life is the first step to defeating it when it occurs. And it will occur. Don't ignore it by pretending it's not happening. Face it head on. Dealing with imposterism removes the power it can have over you. That's right. Very recently, I had a serious grapple with imposter syndrome. Here's what happened. I was coming off of a group coaching session for my plan to achieve program and turned off the camera and stayed for a while with, to chat with one of my students who is also one of my networking colleagues. Just love this woman. Now, during our conversation, she shared that she was thinking about investing in another networking colleagues group coaching program. And she was asking for my advice. And that's when I felt the first pang. You see, this other coach is a really big deal. She just is. And I immediately felt inadequate. While I tried so hard to focus on the conversation I was having, these thoughts flooded through my mind. I suck. I can't help anyone. No one needs my knowledge and skills. Who do I think I am? I can't compete. Everyone will know that I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm a total fraud. I should just give up. Why bother? And like this happened in a matter of like a few seconds. It wasn't even like several minutes. They just all of these thoughts. And I barely managed to finish my conversation before I was on Google researching this other amazing coach. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is way worse than I imagined. <laughs> no one from my networking organization is going to send me a referral ever again. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like you can see the cliff and that you're driving right towards it, but you can't seem to stop yourself. Right. It's, it's kind of like the antithesis, antithesis. That's like, that's the word of like the Thelma and Louise I'm just oh, yeah. this back to an earlier episode. They chose to drive off the cliff. We just couldn't stop. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 
And so despite knowing that no good would come of it, I continued to dig and read. And the more I read, the worse it got until this soundtrack started playing over and over in my head. This is what it was saying. It was saying, you've just wasted the time and energy of all of your plan to achieve students. You can't help them at all. You don't know what you're talking about. And I felt horrible guilt and sadness. And with that, I quietly closed my laptop and I went to bed. And as you can imagine, I slept horribly. By 4 a.m., I gave up and got up, determined to start my day with a better attitude, but it was just totally futile. You see, that soundtrack was still playing in my head, but now with this new lovely edition, you're a horrible person, Teresa. By 5 a.m., I was fully in shame. In the audiobook, The Power of Vulnerability by Brene Brown, she explains the difference between guilt and shame. So guilt is this, I've done something bad, And shame says, I am bad, right? And I definitely felt like a bad person. Yeah, I was bad. So I struggled through my morning playing tug of war with the contrast between my negative self-talk and the evidence that my self-talk was totally untrue. The evidence being the real-time results and feedback from my students. We'll come back to that in a bit, but what I realized that morning was that I was experiencing extreme imposter syndrome. Look, imposter syndrome is really no joke. While Teresa experienced sleeplessness, anxiety, guilt, and shame, that's not what caused it to happen in the first place, nor did the conversation she had with her student or the success of a competitor. There were other factors at work. Absolutely. The first factor that contributed to my imposter syndrome was perfectionism. Really, my inner perfectionist made an appearance. That constant desire to be further along than I am and have more sophisticated systems in place than I do is that constant war with the realist in me that says what I'm doing is good enough for now. In other words, I want it to be all perfect right now because deep down, perfect equals professional somewhere in my brain. I totally relate to that because I struggle with perfectionism myself. And I'm, I'm sure both of us have some kind of uh, like thing in our past where, where that comes from. Right. So even though Teresa logically knows that her business will never be perfect, imposterism tells her that imperfect means not good enough. That is to say, perfectionism feeds imposter syndrome. It really does. Now, the second factor, and you might even be able to guess this one, that contributed to my issue with imposter syndrome was comparison. Had I simply finished my conversation and turned off the computer instead of researching the other coach, I could have avoided this whole incident. By researching the other coach, Teresa found the evidence she sought that someone was better than her. Not only is that not helpful, it's also untrue. Comparing your beginning to someone else's middle is never a fair comparison. Had Teresa instead compared where she was last year to where she is this year, she'd have found something to celebrate instead of something to criticize. Theodore Roosevelt wasn't kidding when he famously said, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparing yourself to others in this context is an exercise that's bound to lead you to a negative attitude and mindset. That's right. The last factor that contributed to my imposter syndrome was stress. Normally, you know, 
really wasn't until I started thinking about this that that I realized I don't really feel a lot of stress. That wasn't always the case, but in the last you know couple of years, two three years, I haven't felt tons and tons of stress. And when I do, I typically manage it well. But lately, I've had some personal things going on. Those coupled with my business growth and a few extra commitments have put more stress and strain on me. I'm just not used to that. The added stress has caused me to feel anxious and overwhelmed, and it definitely contributed to the imposter syndrome. Anxiety and overwhelm caused by added stress can amplify self-doubt and even cause you to sabotage your own success. The result (laughs) is that you feel like a phony, even if all the other indications are to the contrary. Now, we want to point out that perfectionism, comparison, and stress are not the only imposter syndrome triggers. You may find that a different set of factors activate imposterism in you. The next time imposter syndrome pops up, ask yourself, what is going on that might be contributing to my feeling like this? Self-discovery helps. There's no judgment here, only information that can help you conquer the imposter syndrome monster the next time it jumps out at you. Once you've identified how imposter syndrome shows up for you and what causes it, the next step is to disrupt it. Here are three strategies you can try the next time you're feeling like a fake. Strategy number one is to reframe your thoughts. Negative thoughts and feelings of guilt or shame thrive in secret. Naming the feelings and casting some light on them in the form of truth can banish them. In a previous episode, we shared a simple process to change negative thoughts into positive ones. Just follow these steps. One, become aware of the negative thought. Name it. Two, ask yourself if it's true. Three, identify where that thought came from. And four, reframe the thought. A strategy like this could be just what you need to remove the power of imposterism. Strategy number two is to be mindful of your progress. As we shared earlier, feeling like an imposter can have devastating outcomes. While catching it and reframing your thoughts can help, it may not be enough. Imposter syndrome keeps your attention focused on the present. In particular, the feelings you're having right now and the circumstances that cause the imposter syndrome to merge. Taking stock of the progress you have achieved is another useful tactic for defeating imposter syndrome. This is when comparison can actually be a good thing. By looking back to where you were a year ago and comparing it to where you are now, you'll be reminded of just how much you've grown. Seeing the progress you've made will remind you of all the things you've accomplished and get you excited about what's ahead. Not only will this enable you to look forward to future progress, but you'll also recognize that you're not an imposter at all. And strategy number three is to speak with someone you trust. Of the tactics we shared today, this is by far the most impactful. And it's also the one that ultimately moved me past my imposter syndrome. As I mentioned a bit ago, negative thoughts and feelings thrive in secret. By remaining in the dark, they can hold great power over you. Getting those thoughts out in the open brings them into the light where false ideas wither and die. While this might be a mighty tactic, here's a word of caution. 
Speaking with the wrong person can backfire. Instead of getting past your feelings of imposterism, it can reaffirm them. So choose carefully and wisely. I agree. If you're wondering who you should talk to, we shared criteria for that in our episode about quitting. So be sure to check that out um, just to be refreshed. I think it's a really good idea to remember those criteria. Um, My right person to help me through my imposter syndrome was Megan. Now, Megan knows me really well. The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) True. She also understands my business and what I'm trying to achieve. And that also made her a really great candidate. But it's not the only reason I went to her. I knew Megan would listen, ask the right questions, and share thoughtful insights while showing great empathy and understanding. She helped me dig deeper. So I got to the root cause of my imposter syndrome and was able to move on. Often these emotions make people feel super vulnerable. So I'm really honored that Teresa felt comfortable sharing with me. Seek out people that can ask you the right critical questions, listen, and honor your privacy. You're looking for someone who isn't going to simply compliment you since that doesn't usually help. And that was one thing Teresa said to me. I'm not looking for compliments. (laughs) In my opinion, talking it out with someone else is the best way to move on and not waste more time on imposterism. And you do really want to move on because as you can probably tell from all the things we just described, these feelings will kill your productivity and mess with your marketing decisions. You cannot tackle much when you're feeling like an imposter. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. So hopefully you have a better understanding of what imposter syndrome is, what can trigger it, the risks it poses, and what you can do to overcome it. If you've been experiencing imposterism, please do not suffer in silence. There's nothing to feel embarrassed about. Everyone struggles from time to time. That's a normal part of life. But not dealing with your thoughts and feelings will only make it worse. Bringing them into the light, getting to the cause of them, and speaking with someone can help you move past it and move on. Absolutely. And that's a wrap. If we helped you today, please let us know by leaving a positive review. And don't forget to visit MessyDeskPodcast.com for the transcript and links to resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. We can't wait to see you next Wednesday. Let's do this thing. Woohoo! <laughs> ah, there we go. That'll build up your energy. <laughs> How many failer fellers? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, it's like you can see the cliff. Cliff. <laughs> You've just wasted the time and energy. Enger- energy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>